Happy Thursday and welcome to Get Your Goat. Josh here, and there's a lot to get into, a lot of recapping since I haven't done a show in a week, but I'm going to have to start off with the 49ers and the Titans Thursday night football, and it is our last Thursday night football game of the year. Exciting matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. Key playoff implications for the 49ers in the NFC and the Tennessee Titans in the AFC. Then I'm going to recap some of the crazy, crazy things that I can recall from the past week, including the Tom Brady shutout. Still in disbelief of that. My top five teams entering week 16. The Pro Bowl roster that gets in out. Some snubs there for sure. Some surprises. Going to break all those down. My quarterback rankings. My MVP. All that in today's show. So let's get started with the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. Poor Tennessee. Once upon a time, they were one of the best football teams in the NFL. You know, just a month ago, this is a team that lost Derrick Henry, had a Sunday night game against the Los Angeles Rams, and the Los Angeles Rams were 7-1, and one, and the Titans were 6-2, and two, and a lot of people wrote off the Titans because there was no Derrick Henry. And the Titans dominated that game, both offensively and defensively. Without Derrick Henry, they improved to 7-2, and two, number one seed in the AFC. And I looked at the remainder of their schedule and I thought, this is a sure lock to be the number one team in the AFC. I mean, they can handle the loss of Derrick Henry because their schedule is so easy. They play the Texans twice. Uh, they play the Jags. They play uh, the Steelers, who have all kinds of fits. I mean, the Dolphins. I thought the Saints, no Jameis Winston, no Camara. I thought maybe they'll lose to the Patriots. You know, maybe a couple of these games will be close. And they've just looked like a whole different team. They went from being 7-2 and two to 9-5, and 2-3. In their past few games, their two wins was against the Camara-less uh, Saints and Jameis Winston Saints. So they were actually 8-2. and two. They've actually lost three of their past four games. They've lost to the Texans, dominated by the Patriots. They beat the Jags, and everybody beat the Jags. They're technically the worst team in the league. Urban Meyer fired after that game. And then they just lost to the Steelers. This is a team that is reeling right now. Why is it that way? Their defense, for the most part, has played well. Held the Steelers to 19 points. Shut out the Jags. Of a one blip against the Patriots, but Texans 22. I mean, you just can't score more than 20 points. Unless it's against the Jags. But the key has been quarterback play. Ryan Tannehill is a different quarterback when... Derrick Henry's not in there. When they have to drop back to pass a lot more, he's very reckless. I don't know if he can't see the field well, but he has a couple of interceptions that are just mind-boggling to me that I can't believe Ryan Tannehill makes that throw. 
no one in the vicinity or clearly a defender there. I don't know if he just can't read the defense as well or what's going on, but that is an issue for the Tennessee Titans. Then again, he did have A.J. Brown out and Julio Jones. A.J. Brown is returning tonight. Julio Jones may return. Game time decision. That is huge for the Tennessee Titans offense uh, for them right now because, to me, I don't think they can get the number one seed in the AFC. Yes, they hold the tiebreaker over Kansas City. They would need Kansas City to lose one more. They would need New England to lose one more. What they have to worry about is making sure Indianapolis doesn't win the division because Indianapolis is red hot. And the Tennessee Titans are ice cold. Yeah, like Outcast said, ice cold. That's what the Tennessee Titans are. Yes, you have a tiebreaker over them, so you need to lose two more. But I look at the Titans, and that's realistic. I can see them losing their next two games to the 49ers, the Dolphins. Heck, they've lost to the Texans before. What They, they could repeat that. Whereas the Colts have looked red hot. I really do think they can beat the Cardinals this weekend. I'll be there at that game. Talk about that more later. But that's a team they can beat. Raiders, that's a team they can beat. And then the Jags, I mean, come on. Uh, They need to worry about their own division right now. But yes, they get the playmakers back. But is that enough? Is that enough to beat the Titans or the 49ers? Who, to me are kind of two losses out from being uh, the top seed in the AFC. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they started off 2-0, wins against the Lions and the Eagles. Then a Sunday night game against the Packers. And they are up 28-27 to with 30 seconds left. And Aaron Rodgers gets them into position to lose a field goal. Then they have a hangover the following week and blow, or I mean, they lay an egg and they lose 28-21. to So two games they could have won. The Seahawks don't look like that great of a team now. So they're 8-6, and six, and they could possibly be 10-4. and four. And, you know, the Packers, if they would have lost that game, that would have dropped them down. You would have all this uh, craziness shift around the seeding. But, of course, this isn't the what-if show. Uh, that didn't happen. But the 49ers are a good team nonetheless. Can they beat Tennessee in Tennessee? Yes, I think so. And it's not just because I have both George Kittle and Debo Samuel in my fantasy leagues. Debo in all my fantasy leagues, Kittle in one. And I do think they're going to have a great a game tonight. More so Debo uh, because of how he is being used now is Cordero Patterson's used as a running back and a wide receiver. It seems like if he's not uh, receiving the ball uh, a lot, you know, getting a lot of targets, uh, touchdowns that way, he has a great 20-yard scamper in for a touchdown. Uh, Debo Samuel is the ultimate back, and I feel like he's been between the 1,000-yard mark and the 1,100-yard mark uh, for a while now. Uh, And that's just... Because he's so diverse. That's because Brandon Ayuk is getting more targets. He's back incorporated in the lineup. Kittle is back and healthy. And he's a machine. Uh, 
me and my brother were having a debate today on the best, uh, better tight end in the league, Mark Andrews or George Kittle, because Mark Andrews is the first best fantasy quarterback or tight end, second, Travis Kelsey, third, George Kittle. But George Kittle's missed like five weeks of football. If he plays every single week like Mark Andrews has or Kelsey, Kittle would be the number one tight end. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo trusts this man. Him and Kittle, or Kittle and Kelsey, are very similar. We're very able to maneuver in small space and just make defenders miss somehow for being bigger guys. Uh, that is what George Kittle brings to the table. One of the best tight ends in football, if not the best. So if Jimmy Garoppolo is not throwing interceptions uh, like Ryan Tannehill has done, I see the 49ers winning this game, especially with Taylor Lewan out, a star tackle still. Uh, and then you have your other tackle out, Kendall Lamb for the Titans. You've got Nick Bosa on the edge. That's scary. That's scary stuff. I don't know if the Tennessee Titans can withhold. And if there's pressure on Tannehill, pressure results in the fumbles, the interceptions. That could be a long day for Tennessee. Now, again, I don't think this offense will play as poorly, especially if A.J. Brown is back, because A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill, that's a great quarterback-wide receiver duo right there who are just in sync. But all that being said, I'm picking the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. I think they're playing really good football right now, uh, offensively, defensively, playing really sound. They're trending upwards. Tennessee is trending downwards. Again, what has this NFL season taught us? It's taught us nothing. It's taught us that anything at any given moment can happen in the NFL season. Predict the unpredictable. Uh, All bets are off. But this game, I'm taking San Francisco 49ers in a close one. I don't think it'll be a dominant performance. I think the home field atmosphere of Tennessee, return of some of their key players, gets this team going. But can they do it for a whole 60 minutes? I don't believe so. San Francisco gets the win. Now some Week 15 highlights. I'm not going to go through every game, but there is a few I want to get into. First, the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. This game right here was a microcosm of Seattle's season. Russell Wilson did not play well that game. He just didn't. I'm going to get to the calls in a second. But the Russell Wilson game he played was bad. Uh, Over through DK Metcalf, under through DK Metcalf. There's a few times uh, he was open or receivers were open. uh, Had routes, ran well. And Russell Wilson... Just could not place the ball in the correct spot. Very poor performance by Russell Wilson. What blew this game really out of proportion was the bad calls. One on the Rams drive, which led to a touchdown. Key third down, defensive holding, Cooper Cup, bad, bad call. No hold, no turn, no twist, no nothing. Bad call led to a touchdown. Then what really sealed the game uh, 17 to 10 Rams Seahawks trying to come back tie the game and a non-call pass interference just washes it. 
chops DJ Dallas's arms before the ball even gets there. Doesn't turn around, doesn't do anything, just chops his arms, and there is no flag call, which is a flag is called 99.99% of the time. The 0.01% we're not going to see called is that game. What did that immediately take me back to? Oh, the Rams-Saints NFC Championship game where the same thing happened. Rams defender uh, crushed the Saints wide receiver before the ball got there. No flag. Must be a Rams thing. Maybe it's the NFL wanting the Rams to represent the Super Bowl or the NFC at SoFi like the Bucks did last year. Maybe that's just what they want. Stafford was just okay. Bad throw to Quandre Diggs. But like I said, microcosm of Seattle season where what can go wrong for Seattle will go wrong. That's Murphy's Law too. But Seattle, this thing is done. It's over. I'm glad they didn't make the playoffs because that would have, you could brush anything under the rug. Russell Wilson needs to go. Pete Carroll needs to go. This team needs a seismic shift in change in culture in leadership, if a coach needs to be gone, Russell Wilson looks disinterested. Him and DK, what happened to be this great connection last year, no longer is a great connection. Everybody needs a change of scenery. Russell needs to go. I don't care if it's to the Denver Broncos, the Saints. I don't care what team it's to. He needs to go. What else surprised me? The Bucks and the Saints. I thought this game was going to be close. I thought it's going to be much closer than the 11.5, 12-point spread that it was. And I thought Tampa Bay would just edge him out. No, I mean, Taysom Hill is a quarterback, is not, you know, a quarterback. So I thought Tampa Bay will win it. And was I wrong? Tom Brady is now 0-4 against the Saints in the regular season the past two years. Has not beat them. He did not look good. Did not look good one bit. 214 yards, 26 of 48, 4 sacks, 18 a QBR. I mean, he was harassed all night long. Tom Brady did not look good. What was even more concerning was all the injuries that happened. Chris Godwin tore his ACL. To me, that should be a dirty hit, should be banned from the game. And I agree with everything Chris Collinsworth said uh, when he called the game that, you know, those hits that Chris Godwin took look more malicious and dirty than hits to the head. And he also said that. You know, some receivers would rather ban hits low than hits high on the head. And I agree. Uh, Yes, you know, you want to stop the head injuries, the CTE. But if you have a concussion, you're out, you know, three, five weeks. For some, it's more damaging. But when you tear an ACL, that's 12 years gone. You lose speed. You lose quickness. You lose all of that. And maybe it's a point of just launching where... You know, you can't launch if the quarterback low anymore. I don't think you should be able to launch anywhere. I'm fine if you hit low, you know, the shoulder, something like that. But when you launch lead with the head or anything like that, 
like the hit to Chris Godwin that tears his ACL. To me, there's no place in the game uh, for that where you don't even have to hit him that low. He was jumping up in the air, for goodness sake. Uh, I don't like that. Other injuries, Leonard Fournette's done for the rest of his regular season. Mike Evans, I think, will be shut down. He probably won't play this week. I could see him being done rest of the regular season. Three key guys, your top running back and your top two wide receivers, are now gone. At least you have still have Ronald Jones. And then behold, the prodigal son returns this week from his suspension, from all the noise. Antonio Brown. I think this is good uh, for the Buccaneers, especially because I think they have an easy schedule. And with their shorthanded team, they can win the next three games, win the division still, get a top three seed in the NFC. And then in the playoffs, I think they'll have everybody back and healthy, of course, except Chris Godwin. Uh, So you'll still have uh, Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. Great offensive line. I'm not worried about Chris Godwin being down. I mean, it hurts because they're not vaunted now. They're more human, more mortal. Both Tom Brady at quarterback, anything is possible. This defense as well, if they're healthy, a secondary looks better week in and week out. It can happen because the Saints weren't special. Taysom Hill, 33 yards, rushing, passing 154. Field goals, turnovers, you know, killed this team. Tom Brady, the interception, fumble in the red zone. A lot of those self-inflicting wounds hurt. I was shocked and definitely made the Saint, or the Bucks look more beatable. It's just that the Saints are built for that matchup against them. The great rushing defense. Not every team can match up like the Bucks can. I know people talk about a blueprint, passing the blueprint along. But if they were to play the Cardinals, Cardinals can't match up like that. They don't have the people on the inside to stop the run uh, like the Saints do. Neither do the Packers. So I'm not buying that the Bucks are figured out quite yet. What else? The Ravens lost another game on a two-point conversion to the Green Bay Packers. Tyler Huntley played great, 28 of 40, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Added two more touchdowns using his legs. He was brilliant, just brilliant. I mean, when I thought Green Bay had control of this game and were up 31-17, to Baltimore scores two touchdowns in the final five minutes. They score a touchdown with 42 seconds left. And John Harbaugh, like a couple weeks ago against the Steelers, goes for two. And I think it's the right call because I think if Green Bay gets the ball first in overtime, you probably lose the game because uh, Aaron Rodgers was just in his own. He just was. Him and Devontae, Devontae double-covered and still uh, will play great. So I think it was the right call to go for two. However, it was the wrong play design to go for two. Yes, you want to get it into your best player's hands. Mark Andrews, who had a fantastic game, 10 receptions, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. So I get wanting to get hit, get the ball in his hands. But the way it was designed, where you're running out, eliminates half the field. You have Mark Andrews down there alone, 
Nobody else there. All the other wide receiver sets are on the other side. So you're going to have the safety cheat up and then a, combine that with a poor throw on the run. Did not like the play design. I think if you run a standard drop back, you know, and put Mark Andrews where he lines up best as a tight end, makes a play, you'll have more success that way. Or Tyler Huntley can run it in himself like we saw him do a couple of times that game. So that surprised me, that play call by the Baltimore Ravens. What else? Texans beat the Jaguars, cementing them as a bad team. But to me, the one of the most surprising at all, I know people can debate, debate was the Saints, Buccaneers more surprising, or is what I'm about to bring up more surprising? That was the Detroit Lions beating the Arizona Cardinals. And I thought the Detroit Lions beating the Arizona Cardinals were more surprising in that the way it happened, where the Bucks to me, always, they were, you know, in a shot of coming back in that game, whereas Arizona looked helpless throughout that game, just helpless. Jared Goff outdueled Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray couldn't do it. You know this? Jared Goff has never lost to Kyler Murray. Repeat after me. Jared Goff has never lost to Kyler Murray. Let's say it one more time. Jared Goff has not lost to Kyler Murray. Can we all believe that? Am I saying Jared Goff is a better quarterback than Kyler Murray? No, of course I'm not going to go that far. But still, still, I don't know how you feel about that. Kyler Murray didn't look good. Dan Campbell and the Detroit team, at least at home, looks like a way more competitive team than the Detroit team away. Amari St. Brown played tremendous. The running game, Reynolds, 112 yards on 26 carries. Without J.J. Watt, this Arizona rush defense is non-existent. They struggle to the max. It just it can't happen. And then when you're running the ball well, that opens up the play action and it flows through there. Dan Campbell with a great defensive game plan. Kyler Murray had communication issues, it seemed like, all game between the offensive line and the wide receivers, forcing, trying to do too much. I mean, they didn't get their first points until the third quarter. It was 17-0, Lions at half. Cardinals never had a shot of this game, uh, down 24-3, to then 27-6, to and then ended up losing 30-12. to Arizona never came clo- co- or close. Cliff Kingsbury was outcoached by Tan- Dan Campbell. Kyler Murray was outplayed by Jared Goff. Chase Edmonds, James Conner were outplayed by Craig Reynolds. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore were outplayed by Amon Ross St. Brown. The defense played better than Arizona's defense. Special teams, everything. Uh, that was a... Masterclass. Every week there's a masterclass in coaching. Uh, in the past two weeks, it's come against the Cardinals. Sean McVay shorthanded Monday night against the Cardinals. Now Dan Campbell against the Cardinals. The Cardinals, who were once 7-0, and are now 10-4. They've dropped two straight. Now they play a red-hot Colts team at home, and they haven't played good at home. That was their first loss away against the Lions. But home, they look like a different team. And like I said, they can't stop the run. Who do they encounter? Oh, 
one of the best running backs in the NFL, and to me, the best running back this year due to a Derrick Henry injury. Yes, there we go. That doesn't uh, sound like a good time for the Arizona Cardinals, and I'll be there chanting, go Colts, go the whole time. I'm looking forward to it. Now, after all that craziness, who are my top five teams in the NFL? Number five, the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, Matthew Stafford is a top three quarterback in the NFL. Right now, he is playing amazing, amazing, amazing football. Uh, This year, he's been great. Sean McVay's offense has been good. They're slowly handling the loss of Robert Woods, getting OBJ involved more, but not forcing it to him. Realizing your number one star, it's Cooper Cup. Cooper's Cup having an MVP-type season on pace to break Calvin Johnson Jr.'s record. Four uh, yards for a receiver in a season. And I think Cooper Cup will lead the NFL in receptions, yards, and touchdowns for a wide receiver and earn the Triple Crown. That's how good he's been. This offense is great. Number four, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboy defense. Am I saying it's one of the best defenses? No, of course I'm not going to say anything slanderous like that. Why? Because they're not even in the top five in terms of points allowed or in yards per game. However, they're a top 10 scoring defense. You also force a lot of turnovers. They have a lot of takeaways. Micah Parsons, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. They've played really good defense, played really sound, even though they give up some yards. They don't give up as many points down there in the red zone. Combine that with just a middle of a pack offense right now, the past few weeks have taken a hit, you know, Yes, statistically speaking, they have the number one offense in terms of yards per game, uh, just edging out Tampa Bay now after Tampa Bay's horrendous performance. But they're not where they were earlier in the season. Dak has struggled, but they're still a good football team. They can still hit on every level, every phase of the game. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs. It just makes sense because they're the third-best team offensively. Uh, It seemed like they have started to click and get it going now uh, that they have won seven straight. Patrick Mahomes has been brilliant in that win streak as well, especially last week against the Chargers. The defense has also taken a big step where they were once, you know, right there, bottom of the pack, and they have moved up in the likes of this world, and are no longer one of the worst defenses in the league. In terms of scoring, they're a top 10 defense, much like the Cowboys. Very similar style to where they'll give up yards, but then when it comes down to the red zone actually giving up the points, it's tough to do that. To me, that's something that is big for me, is scoring defense, because even if you give up yards, You know, the points is what matters. It's not giving up a ton of points. Number two, drop down from number one. That is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I mean, nobody deserves to be number one anymore after you get shut out like that and you take hits in all your categories. Uh, But to me, they are still a dangerous team. Tom Brady can't count out the GOAT. Ronald Jones actually looked effective in quite a few runs that he had when Leonard Fournette will be out. I think the running game will be just fine, even though this is a pass-happy attack here. Antonio Brown back, that will ease the loss of Chris Godwin. You're basically filling in for him. Yes, Mike Evans will return. This team on offense will be just fine. I'm not panicking yet. Am I worried? I'm more worried than I was last week, but I have not hit the panic button quite yet with the defense and the way this experience they have come playoff time. I'll trust the GOAT there more than anyone else. That's all I have to say. But number one, I have to give it up right now to the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has inched closer in the MVP race as of this past week. Tom Brady's stock took a hit where Aaron Rodgers soared because of that. They're the number one team. Uh, To me, you almost play as well as your quarterback plays. Aaron Rodgers is right there in the MVP race now. Still giving the edge to Tom Brady, but Aaron Rodgers is right there. Uh, This defense has taken a hit, though. Uh, You know, was top five in kind of points and yards. They've slipped down. Now they're top ten. Not saying that's anything huge, but this defense needs to figure some things out. Look good the first half of the season. Uh, You were kind of helping Aaron Rodgers out there, but but now Aaron Rodgers is bailing you out. We've seen this story come playoff time, and here now we're getting awfully close. You only have three weeks to resolve any issues. The offense is not one for Green Bay. Matt LaFleur is not one. Now it's on the defense again. Can the defense answer the call? But right now, they are the only team that has clinched a spot in the entirety of the playoffs. And not only did they clinch a playoff spot, but they've clinched their division. Green Bay sitting alone as the best record in the NFL at 11-3. Got to give it up to them. So those are my top five teams in the NFL entering Week 16. The Los Angeles Rams, the Dallas Cowboys... The Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Green Bay Packers. Then you had the Pro Bowl roster announced yesterday. A lot of surprises, a lot of snubs in the roster. Some things I wasn't surprised by. Tom Brady getting his 15th nomination. How can anyone be surprised by that? Not me. Not me at all. Uh, I mean, he has just been uh, the best quarterback in the league uh, by far uh, most of the year, and he definitely deserves that. So a 15th Pro Bowl selection, I don't know if anyone uh, will get uh, to that level. Or Aaron Rodgers. Wasn't surprised by him. I was surprised by Kyler Murray making it. Which means Matt Stafford was snubbed. 
Kyler Murray has missed three games, is two and one. So if you just want to look at a win percentage or about, you know, the same with Kyler Murray than they are without Kyler Murray, uh, ranks not even in the top 10 for yards, uh, touchdowns. I know his completion percentage is high, but Matthew Stafford, who played as an MVP level most of the season other than the three-game stretch, I mean, Kyler Murray was out those three games. He wasn't helping his case, but Matt Stafford, you know, top three in yards, touchdowns. I mean, this guy has been great. So that, to me, is very, very surprising that Kyler Murray makes it and Matthew Stafford was snubbed. Uh, to me, it's kind of unbelievable that that came uh, and you did not have him there. Micah Parsons, deservedly so, you know, inside middle linebacker. I mean, who knows where to put him? Is he outside? Is he an end? Because he just lines up all over anywhere in the front seven. That is how good he is. Trevon Diggs being a starter, I don't know if I'd have him this high. Yes, he's a ball hawking corner, but coverage, he's not the best corner there is you know I think he gets burned a lot uh I, you can definitely throw his way and make some passes as long as it's not too Trevon Diggs because then he catches it like a wide receiver but he's not the best cornerback out there you know I thought that was a bit much to have him kind of be the number one uh slotted corner there AFC I was fine with Herbert uh Mahomes and Jackson uh, right there, running back, Nick Chubb, and Joe Mixon. Uh, of course, I would like to include Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry's been high. But another one that misses the list, Austin Eckler. He's been great for the Los Angeles Chargers as well. A kind of do-it-all, Camara-style type running back. Very surprised that he uh, did not make the cut there. Uh, I thought that was a snub. For sure, I would have slotted him over Nick Chubb, who has missed some games due to injury and due uh, to a COVID. And same with Joe Mixon as well. Defense, no surprise by the Miles Garrett, uh, the TJ Watt. That is all very uh, sound and good picks there. Uh, Derwin James, deservedly so, strong safety. Uh, so those are kind of my key uh, surprises and snubs for the Pro Bowl. Now my quarterback rankings. Been a lot of talk over this past week. Aaron Rodgers, you know, best playmaker ever. Just how great is Aaron Rodgers? These are my quarterback rankings heading into week 16. Number five is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has been phenomenal this year. Fourth in terms of yards at just over uh, 4,000. QBR of 66. Higher than Tom Brady right now. He's been great. So I have to give a lot of love to Justin Herbert right here. Second in QBR. uh, Touchdowns as well. He's thrown 32, which is three. Uh, Completion percentage, again, high. So this is a guy that I think has all the tools uh, to be great. This year he is proving it. Got to put Justin Herbert there at number five. 
Number four, Patrick Mahomes. Same, same quarterback, same division. 4,000 yards, kind of right there, averaging about the same yards per game. Quarterback rating a little lower than I'd like, but the key here is the big play ability and just the threat of Patrick Mahomes. And to me, he's becoming a name brand right now. You have the name brands for Brady, for Rodgers. Mahomes is that one where even if he has a stretch of bad games or a stretch of bad weeks, it's still Mahomes and you trust for him to get on the right track. And he still had glimpses of it. He's a great quarterback and I trust him entering these final weeks of the NFL season. Number three, Matthew Stafford. Yes, Matthew Stafford snubbed from the Pearl Bowl. Number three in yards at 4,100. Touchdowns again, number two at 35. One behind Tom Brady and a QBR of 65. Also one higher than Tom Brady. Matthew Stafford has played great. One of his best years ever. Uh, And right now, you know, a lot of people saying he wouldn't have the yardage if not for Megatron. But now he's playing with Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup never put up gaudy numbers without it. So are we going to put all this place here? Or are we going to say, hey, Matthew Stafford was a good quarterback. He and Megatron had a great relationship that was productive for both of them career-wise. Maybe not win-wise or anything like that. But numbers-wise, it was great. Same thing can be said about Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. Two, Aaron Rodgers. I had a debate here between Aaron Rodgers and the GOAT, but he was two because he's missed a game. But even if he missed a game, he's 10 in yards. You know, he's like a 1,000 yards behind Tom Brady. Touchdown-wise, he's only six behind, but he has the highest QBR in football at 67. Highest passer rating at 110. Completion percentage at 67.8. I mean... This man is money, the accuracy, the precision. I mean, he is one of the quarterbacks I trust to close a game. That's Aaron Rodgers. But number one is Tom Brady. He's still the best quarterback in the league, putting up the best numbers. Number one in yards, number one in touchdowns, top five QBR, top five completion percentage. He's been great for the amount of attempts that he's thrown. Nobody has thrown 600 attempts in the NFL except for Tom Brady. And to complete 67% of them, that's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good, Tom Brady, if I do say so myself. You are still the best quarterback in football. So then when we talk about the MVP race, it's down to Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I look at the numbers... I go, oh, it's all Tom Brady except for QBR and touchdown-interception ratio. But Aaron Rodgers has played one less game. And in that game, like I have said before and again, and I'll stand by it, there's no way in one game he throw 900 yards to make up for a deficit, six touchdowns as well. It's just not possible. Tom Brady, yes, remember, he's also 44 years old. Aaron Rodgers hasn't hit 40 yet. 
And guess what? I know Tom Brady has great great wide receivers on his team, but Green Bay has Devontae Adams, like the best wide receiver on their team uh, as well. They've had a better defense than Tampa Bay this year. Uh, a lot of things have helped Aaron Rodgers out that a lot of people will say, you know, Tom Brady usually gets, which Tom Brady is doing great this year. MVP for a reason. Now moving on to the NBA. Wanted to say this because Kyrie Irving back for road games and then immediately has to enter health and safety protocols. Oh, poor Kyrie. Uh, Getting blasted all week, or actually it was more of a Nets for a shameful thing bringing him back. But maybe it's just a necessity to bring Kyrie back. A team ravaged by the Nets. Or a team ravaged by injuries like the Nets. You need bodies. And if Kyrie can give you that extra body for an away game. Why not bring it back? Who knows what the Nets are thinking? Who knows it? Maybe we want to trade Kyrie Irving. We know the dilemma that he is for our team. You know if people see him on the road and say hey. This guy's still got it. People will eat that up instantly and want to trade for him. I see this working out as a good thing for Manette because they'll be winning games, increases the trade value. I mean, that is all things that are good for Manette in that you want. So I think because of that, I have no problem with this move at all. At this moment in time. I think it's a smart move for the Nets. I think it's a logical move. And it's kind of the only move. Because you had eight guys out. And you had to postpone a game. Uh, Because of that you couldn't play. Because you didn't have the bodies available to play. But there is a game tonight. Milwaukee Bucks, Dallas Mavericks. Who am I picking? I'm picking the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis... Is back, fourth in the league in scoring, 27 points. Defense is good. They're playing Dallas, and Dallas has no Kristaps Porzingis, no Luka Doncic. Because of that, Milwaukee, to me, is an easy bet. I am taking Milwaukee win this game. Another big game I'm not going to pick is the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Grizzlies, fourth best team. In the Western Conference, Golden State, number two. Big game here, kind of rematch of a game that was played earlier. And the Grizzlies won. You know, they won the game last year in the play-in tournament. So this Grizzlies team is a tough matchup for the Warriors. Their youth, their athleticism, their explosiveness, their scoring matches up well for them against the Warriors. How will the Warriors uh, combat what the Grizzlies bring to the table? What other news is there? The NHL has postponed all their games until after Christmas. They'll resume Monday. Again, to me, it's kind of like the NFL or the MLB lockout. I don't need the NHL right now. I got the NFL on. So if you want to propone, or postpone one week... Two weeks, three weeks, it does not matter to me. 
I am fine with the postponement, the cancellations. Of course, my Pittsburgh Penguins were in a good groove. They won seven games in a row. Hopefully that doesn't hurt them too much. But I'm fine with a little extended break uh, because there ain't much hockey on when there's football on. Then college basketball. One upset yesterday. Tennessee beat the U of A. Arizona was 11-0. Number six took on Tennessee. Didn't lead at all that game. They lost, went down to Tennessee. They moved all the way up to number six and got a first place vote. That is what you get. Down goes up. Now you only have a few undefeateds left. The likes of Baylor still alive. USC, Iowa State, LSU. But the big one is Baylor. How much longer will they last? They got one final cupcake game left. One game. Northwestern State. Because next week they play at Iowa State. And as I just said, Iowa State's an undefeated team as well at number 9. That could be a battle of two undefeated teams. And to me, it most likely will because... Iowa State does not play another game until then, so it's up to Baylor, and I do not think they will be losing to Northwestern State. Then there has been a lot of minor and significant bowl games on uh, a lot recently. Some surprises to me. UAB beating BYU. BYU 10-2 had a great season, but Alabama-Birmingham... Touchdown, 31-28 with six minutes left. And the defense holds BYU. Great performance by the Dragons. Who else? San Diego State, UTSA. Both teams are, my bad, one team 11-2. San Diego State, UTSA, 12-1. Great season by both of these schools. San Diego State gets a win. Now tomorrow you got the Hawaii Bowl. And of course, Hawaii is playing in it at 6-7. and seven. This weekend, not a lot of ton of great bowl matchups. But we're only a week out from the college football playoffs. Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Alabama. The rules came through. And we could have a national championship, our national champion. And none of those games be played if three of them have COVID outbreaks. The one team that would not have an outbreak would be declared the winner. You have all these crazy scenarios. You know, if one matchup isn't played due to both teams having COVID, you know, the other game would technically be for the national championship. Uh, You know, or if one team can't play, then that game is forfeited for them and the one team automatically advances and plays the winner of the other game. Or if they all have COVID or the national championship uh, gets postponed due to that for too long a duration. It could be vacant and no one could have a winner. There could be no title. I mean, all these crazy possible scenarios. All that because Alabama staff has been tested positive. Georgia players have tested positive. And it's great news for my Michigan Wolverines who are getting their booster shots, who have stayed healthy, who have stayed locked in and focused. To me, that's just a little glimpse of just how locked in they are. I think they're going to beat Georgia. They haven't been given a lot of love. You know, a lot of people have been talking about Michigan. 
But then they're like, oh no, we're going to lose this game to Georgia. They've been good, but this is a different ball game. They're going to lose this game to Georgia. I don't think so. Of course, I'm going to go into this game in much more detail later. But of course, I'm going to pick Michigan to win this game 100 times out of 100 times. So there we have it, folks. I think I'm all caught up after being out for a week. 49ers win the game tonight against the Titans. Who do you got in the last Thursday night football game of the year? Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.